Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Thirty-five years after The Handmaid's Tale was published, a new generation of young women were enthralled when the dark, terrifying story of Gilead came to television. The Handmaid's Uniform, a symbol for them of a variety of women's rights issues from Argentina to Belfast and at demonstrations against the US President in London. But you. In the dystopian, totalitarian state of Gilead, all women are subjugated to the needs of men, neither allowed to read nor to move freely, own property or handle money. Most chillingly, they're deprived of control over their own bodies. You girls will serve the leaders of the faithful and their barren wives. You will bear children for them. Oh, you are so lucky! The handmaids live in sexual servitude, forced to repopulate a world that has no moral compass. Blessed be the fruit. Now, the real world, struck by a pandemic, is in uncertain and troubled times. Societal change is perhaps inevitable, fertile territory for a writer of Margaret Atwood's imagination. Gilead, as portrayed on television, will be back for a fourth season, but only when COVID allows. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of Cultish and Sheologians. Yes, are we? Been in a while. I know it's been a while. I mean, is, are you still doing the? Are you still doing the her? In oh something? yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there something that you want to put that into? Or you can make it up the fly. Hand merge tail. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Atwood. Mark It turns Atwood. out even butchering the English language is an art. It right. is. And yes. you know what? Our listeners are actually really good at it now. Like they'll do it in the comments sometimes. <laughs> I'm just like, you nailed it. You yeah. yes. so great. It's a thing. Oh yeah. Joy would... started it. Joy it was Joy's idea. And I right. want everyone to know that Joy gets credit for that idea. Brilliant. I'm the one that's butchered it so that it mm -hmm. became what it became. Wow. It's Joy's <laughs> idea. Well, we kind of gave it to you as your little opening tagline. Yeah. Before we had exhausted yeah. so many words. I do know what website you can go to that has like words. It's like words with she in it. Mm -hmm. It's like bookmarked. Yes. It's like a BuzzFeed site or something. It's. It's like a weird Scrabble site. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh. Sorry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. That happens. You know, sometimes you get bells and whistles and sometimes, you know, both of your moms or sometimes you have kids shout in the background, which mm -hmm. seems to be kind of like part of just the atmosphere of sheologians. And, yeah. And so if someone has heard that, it's probably not the first time you've had to deal with that. No. Um, so just just real quickly, uh, we've been, we did a collaboration last year and things, uh, you know, things have obviously changed a bit in the world, obviously. Uh -huh, uh, just, just, yeah. just a tad, you know, not, not too much to pay attention to. I almost feel like, and I, I've described it before, where it feels that right now with 2020, with everything we've experienced so far, last year, 
it would be like this is where we get together to kind of talk about cultish stuff now that we have the curtains and the whole <laughs> creepy atmosphere but now it's like the exact opposite the whole world is cultish and oh, one, yeah. <clears throat> once we get back here there's yeah. normal uh-huh Sanity. we feel normal we're not we're not afraid of each other if someone sneezes you're not ducking for cover like someone <laughs> right. just fired a gun uh those sorts right. of things you're right. not you know, trying to sanitize, wipe everything down. You if know. someone did fire a gun here, I'm sure it would be for the right reason. <laughs> <laughs> True that. Honestly, there would be return fire. Yes. So oh, it, it would be. Just... It'd be like. <laughs> yes. Um, just real quickly for anyone who's new uh, to the podcast, a lot of people just have just jumped on. Maybe they weren't on for uh, Sheologian, our collaboration last year. Just tell everyone real quickly about your podcast, what you two are all about. Just tell them just real quickly all about that. How would you how would you describe I was gonna it? Say, I was gonna say if you go back to the very first millisecond of this episode, yeah. it was Summer going <laughs> <laughs> It was her stifling a giggle, which is basically what our show is entirely about. Um my point is we were already giggling before, we before the we show started even talking. started. Yes. <laughs> Joy and I talk about worldview issues for Christian for Christian women. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. We have a lot of men listeners, but mm. we're speaking to the ladies. The men yep. are like, whoa, it's so interesting to hear things from a woman's perspective. Not my husband, but the men, the men <laughs> yeah. listeners. That's funny. <laughs> and uh, he already knows. Our, yeah, our husbands already have already heard our dissertations on On everything. Things. So, mm. yeah, that's that's what we do. And, you know, some women like it. Some women hate it. Yeah. Some women skip the chatty bits and yeah. just go straight to the... right. Some women have never missed a moment of it. So it's just, yeah, I don't know. Last week we talked about vanity. We had, we had, um, we had someone call and leave a voicemail for us and she was in between contractions in labor. Wow. Wow. That was like part of her birth plan. She was in labor and (laughs) she she called us and left a voicemail. Yeah. Yeah. You can leave us a voicemail. This is when I do that. You can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475. And we have a book club. The Sheologians Book Club starts this week, so mm-hmm. I need to tell you guys that. Wow, week. so definitely definitely check that out. So yes. they can find you. I know your Instagram tag is, have you had your soup today? Yes, have you had your soup today? And um, we are meeting uh, for book club on September 23rd for the first time at 1 o'clock, and that's at patreon.com slash sheologians, and our store is shopsheologians.com. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. And for those of you who are listening to this by now, we are going to be having our cultish merch soon, or possibly even yeah. by the time we launch this. So we are I see the shirt and the sticker. This. Yes. Cool. I like them. Yeah, so those are just some little temporary ones that were made until I get the, the big ones out. So I like I'm it. excited for that. Looks good. Um, yeah, so we, we're here today to talk about The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. And it's it's just interesting. I thought a while back about what would be, I want to do a collaboration sometime with, with you again because we had so much fun the first time. It was fun. And so I was trying to think, what, what's something that would be the best of both worlds? Because I know for you that when we were talking about, Joy, you were really into it. I know yeah. that it was, you were still fascinating about it because a lot of it had to do with Vegas and you spent some time living in Vegas and now you're back here. Yes. And so it's going to be back here. But yes. I initially thought that dealing with the show The Handmaid's Tale mm-hmm. would be the perfect world for both of us. Because I feel like it has everything about, really, that both uh, you all talk about and that we deal with. We deal with cultish groups. We've all, I've always had a fascination with futuristic dystopian worlds like George Orwell uh, mm-hmm. and the and like books like Brave New World. And, right, and just Sally that... Ride. Oh, yeah. Just that, <laughs> just that fascination. <laughs> and so with that and then 
issues that you deal with, the, the evil, patriarchy. oppressive patriarchy. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, what they talk, how they would talk about, like, reproductive freedom, which seems to be something, one yeah. of those tag words. And even, we'll delve into it, that's an aspect, too, of the cultist world where you take, you try and own the language or you try and alter what the language means. And so we'll definitely delve into that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, let's just let's just... Now let's just have a conversation about this. So when it comes to The Handmaid's Tale, I think what's really interesting is that I didn't really pay too much attention to it until it was a couple years ago. I believe there was an abortion bill that was signed, a pro-life bill that was signed in Alabama. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, and you heard in that clip as we introduced it, it just sort of became this uh, this television show almost became a symbol. Yeah. Of women marching around and, and wanting to, uh, you know, express their how they were being oppressed because of this uh, legislation that was happening. And a lot of this really came to right. fr- this television show also came to fruition as uh, Trump got elected in 2016. <laughs> yeah. So, mm-hmm. of course, that was a the symbol. Timing of, was the timing was just perfect. Great. And so now. We're, on, we're, we're talking about this on the verge of another election. <laughs> yeah. Very. So it's just a very interesting atmosphere. And mm-hmm. as far I think it's just been one of the shows that in many ways has become a cultural icon. And mm-hmm. especially one of the things we, I think we could talk about, too, is that as um, with recently with uh, Netflix, with the controversy of the film Cuties that was dropped mm-hmm. and people were just shocked and outraged and yelling, cancel Netflix. I think mm-hmm. what people need to realize if you just take the step back and look, look at the aerial aerial view it's not as if netflix was releasing all this family-friendly neutral content for all these years and right. then oh surprise here's this horrible film right. the, the, what you need to understand is that through all the different streaming services all the different amazon shows entertainment mm-hmm. whatever whatever information you're getting whether it's entertainment or mm-hmm. books or well, whatever topic of education is like nothing is neutral and yeah, so you right. always have a worldview being propagated onto it. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. What do you think about um, how? What, what would be all your thoughts on that? Just kind of set up some ideas for some good conversations here. Yeah. Well, I think you know, for people who haven't watched the show, they should know that it's about. And it was originally a book, and it was mm-hmm. like a cult cult classic. I would say. Yeah. Yeah, it's considered. It's you know it's part one of, of feminist the ones, literature yeah. 101. Oh, yeah. Especially it feminist has a cult literature. following. Yeah. It has a cult following, and it, pre- and it has. <laughs> and then uh, I've never, I haven't seen the movie. The movie came out in the eighties. I want to say yeah, yeah. Was it the eighties. Yeah, I I didn't see the movie. I wasn't. Uh, I didn't. Nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety is yeah. when it came out. Oh, okay. Well, I definitely wasn't watching The Handmaid's Tale when I was five, so <laughs> I didn't see that. But anyway, it's about this future dystopian society where the religious right has taken over and for some reason the women a lot of the women are infertile and can't have children right. and so the women that well can, and they don't they a big part of it is that um because like the patriarchy has taken over they don't consider men to be sterile mm. so like if a woman isn't having children they it's, it's not pr- it's not like it proper the guy. it's not appropriate to look at the man and say so right. it's not even necessary you know about like why there's masterility but mm. it's there it, it's in this whole uh um, sex is very messed up in this story yes. <laughs> mm. 
Yes. So the whole idea then is that the women who are fertile are basically rounded up, taken away from their families, and forced into sex slavery to bear children for the very patriarchal men. And supposedly they do this upon the basis of the story of Sarah and Hagar because Sarah couldn't have and, – and as they essentially rape the women, they read from Genesis like – the mm-hmm. story of uh, Sarah giving Hagar to Abraham and saying, like, she will bear children for me since I can't. Right. Um, and so supposedly in this theonomic Christian society, you rape women while you read the book of Genesis. And obviously this is a completely fair portrait of Christianity and everything oh, yeah. that we believe in <laughs> what a society ordered by God looks like. I mean, it's awful. Um, and so that's why the women will show up at these pro-life things in Handmaid's Tale dress. And I just want to ask this question really quickly. Who do you think paid to bust all those women and dress them up like hand- handmaids to show up at these things? Hmm. That's a question to ask. Anyway, moving on. No one's asked that question yet. Hmm. Um, <laughs> what rhymes with Soros? I know, yeah. I was going to say. <laughs> You're not supposed to say it. Oh. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so uh, that's why the that red dress because that's what the handmaids wear with the white bonnets that's what you have to wear if you're a handmaid that's why people wear that and show up to things where supposedly women are being sexually oppressed and the patriarchy is ruling and because mm-hmm. whatever it's all yeah. about the the structure of their society is is about like controlling women's bodies to control them right so it yeah that's why they, anyway yeah. just and for it, people that i because I, i'm not recommending that you watch the show and i'm not recommending that you read the book so the book's now not, you don't have to <laughs> the, the book's not a bad book and it's not a bad story and the concept um is pretty cool mm-hmm. and the book acknowledges many things like it doesn't it like i mean as you stated it has a very shallow view of what an actual like christian theonomy would look like but it is a you you know they're aware that they're taking verses out of context and things like that so it's not painted to be this perfect thing but um i didn't get that feeling in the show yeah and that's i was gonna mention that just for anyone listening like we all kind of have there's like a variety of ways that we've consumed it so i've read the book and i was kind of re-listening to it this morning on audible Mm -hmm. um and then I you guys the have seen, season. but I haven't seen any mm-hmm. of the show. So. My, yeah, my first exposure to the show was on the news mm-hmm. when people were protesting. Yeah. And then there started being uh, Saturday, Night Live, Saturday Night Live sketches. Oh, really? I didn't <laughs> just, know that. Just a couple of them. And I think there's a weekend update where someone was dressed up in a Handmaid's Tale and it. Uh, outfit and again they were just uh, or cosplay or however you want to call it and but again it was a direct reference to women being oppressed so it was just of course course, it became this iconic symbol one other thing that's interesting uh, in in prepping up for this is that um, in one of the interviews Elizabeth Moss who plays uh, the main character Offred and so in it she also was talking about what's the reason why women are infertile and one of the things they kind of hints at because it may have had to do with the climate change. Yeah. So of course, <laughs> so of course, you know that you, you, they had to throw that in there as well too. Yeah, I mean, because just that's obviously because well, you know, yeah, we're I'm, speaking. Of course, we're we're in the name of science. You know, it's it's all about the science, <laughs> and I'm sure they did a ton of research that that have shown oh, sure. just how all of a sudden that all those countries where sure. women are infertile, where, where the climate's off. Well, and that's what I mean. That leads to answering your original question. It's. Y- 
it's it's like it's a good enough story in and of itself but because of what we know about margaret atwood and the following that's currently going on of the handmaid's tale we know that there we know that it's more than just like a story Mm -hmm. so it's not just you can read it and you can just put it back on the shelf and be like huh okay I enjoyed that. Uh, all right. But I it like really sci-fi. is. It has some. Um, it's very uh, philosophically relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, and it uh, there's a reason why. I mean, whoever pitched that show. Just good job reading the room. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. This was the right cultural <laughs> moment for that. I don't know if it would have gone over. I'd never heard of the movie. And that came out in 1990. Yeah. So. I've, I, yeah. I'd heard of the book. Because I, I mean, well, and it falls kind of into a genre that I already enjoy, but um, yeah, it's an interesting. It's I, I wouldn't not recommend. Okay. I think it's very. Um, I haven't read enough of it. I think it's pretty. Uh, maybe f- it might even be a good. Re- I may even recommend it for someone that's like trying to think through some of the hmm. uh, current. Someone who's trying to prove to themselves that they can like recognize. Right. Um, bad thinking and right. uh, lack of critical thinking, and obviously uh, more of like um, the cultural perspective on religion mm-hmm. versus what the Bible would have to say about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a. It's a really sad book about someone who's going through something really horrible. Awful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it obviously it's not. Um, it's all. It's always an interesting thing to consider. Uh, there is a character in a Stephen King novel that he just, he likes to write, uh, his, he's a writer in the story and he would get in trouble because he just wanted to write stories. He didn't want to like write a story that had like a theme or a meaning or anything like that. Um, and we know that that, that doesn't necessarily exist. Mm. And The Handmaid's Tale is a great example of, um, you absolutely know why Margaret Atwood wrote it mm-hmm. and what she meant mm-hmm. in writing it. Just because we have tons of supporting information, interviews that she gave, other books mm-hmm. that she wrote. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. And and because it's been adopted as feminist literature. Right. It, ha- it absolutely has a worldview. Even though. Mm-hmm. Even if it didn't say, if it, even if it right. didn't tell you up front that it did. Yeah. Right. I think in many ways that I think Margaret Atwood almost portrays herself as sort of the feminist George Orwell. Yeah. Very yeah. much. Because uh-huh. if you think about it, I mean, George, I mean, 1984, if you've read it, it's just a completely brilliant novel. And I think many people, you know, and obviously now are calling it this year COVID-1984. And there's not <laughs> all the different puns going on. But it, there's there's a lot of, you know, parallels even there when, when Orwell's talking about, you know, opposing views or books being burned. And then you're seeing how big tech is and the censoring that's going on just with with, with whatever medical opinions or whatever just what when it were political opinions that aren't in par with the official narrative and so you definitely see that going on for sure i i think what's also uh very interesting too when it comes to uh yeah just atwood and just how they're using if you read the book and how she's really kind of using that not just to tell a story but to truly preach and i do want to say too that when it comes to i managed to get through about four episodes of the Hamas tell show and I just couldn't continue it um, personally it was just hard just conviction wise it just it wasn't something I could watch and so I would say that 
I can't recommend the television show. And us talking about this is not an endorsement that you should watch the television show. Right. Reason why we're talking about this is because this is one of the most popular viewed streaming television shows of anywhere across the world. And it's mm-hmm. and it has a definite view. I think one of the challenges wasn't just the graphic content I had with it. It's just a part of filmmaking that I do not like. I think any time someone can tell a story when it comes to either television or filmmaking, there's a time where even if the per, even if the director has a point they want to get across, there's a point in which you can tell that underlying story or worldview, mm-hmm. but without almost breaking the fourth wall and sticking its finger in your chest and you feel like you're being yeah. kind of told what Preach to that. do. It's so preachy. What what I find really interesting about uh, this novel is if we think about Hitler before he came to power, he wrote a book called Mein Kampf. If this is which was pretty much if I were to come to power, these are the things that I would want to do. So what Margaret Atwood does is exactly the antithesis of that, where she's actually portraying a picture of a society ruled in a way she would not want it to be ruled, therefore right. to influence the next generation. Mm-hmm how to act and how to think because we have her redefining terms all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, She says reproductive rights, even in her interviews, but what that really means is murder your children in the womb on demand when you want them. Mm -hmm. She says, um, don't have forced childbirth, Mm -hmm. right? But also at the same time, she says, women shouldn't have their children taken from them. Right. (laughs) Right. So she's creating a narrative and she's actually getting the next generation of people to dress up in specific clothing and outfits, right? So she's against cult like thinking and narratives right right portrayed when it's against what she believes in yeah but she's actually created a Mm -hmm. cult following of people who can't think critically Mm -hmm. instead who look at her book as canon Mm -hmm. right and then don't even uh like you've said address the concerns of what are even brought up with the biblical positions in the book they don't even think about that right nor do they test it they just blind with faith follow her every right. written word as a feminist novel like mm-hmm. you said so well, i find it really funny and i think she's really smart to do it in a sense that she has positioned herself to influence society without having people think she's doing it because that's right. what media does in itself right. because who controls the media climate controls the future of our culture so there's a very specific reason like you said whoever pitched it this idea in 2016 right well come on there, there's a there's a reason why and there's an agenda right. behind it yeah, like straight up. That's that's what she's. I think it's interesting too that so many of us, like Jerry already mentioned, 1984. We're like, yeah, this book is like prophetic in some ways. Well, that 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 kind of mirrors the argument of the people who show up to uh, protest in Handmaid's garments, as they would say, this the Handmaid's Tale was prophetic. This is what's happening right. to us. Like when you. Uh, make these laws against abortion, you know, The Handmaid's Tale is being fulfilled because women are being forced to mm-hmm. reproduce and um, exactly. they're unable right. to think clearly in these moments. Right. And it, so it is interesting how um, dystopian future novels uh, spark that kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why you, that's why I would say, again, like you kind of, to an extent, you have to recommend people read certain things or you know um yeah because obviously that's a draw of the futuristic Mm sci-fi story that there is this sort of like intelligent uh foresight of like like taking things to their logical conclusion that's what you're supposed to be doing right like taking things so you need to be able to read this and and uh not i'm not saying you have to read it but 
you need to be able to approach something that is inconsistent and be able to say, oh, that's inconsistent. So instead of just lumping it in with 1984, because that's the only dystopian sci-fi novel that I know, and that was so smart and intelligent and made all these predictions and stuff, it's important that you look, you you can look at this stuff. Mm. And it's not, it's not just a story right. for them. So it shouldn't just be a story for you. Mm. Right. You And I'm not saying don't enjoy, enjoy it. It's fine. There's a few really great moments it's basically she just spends it's all her story um as, it's basically you would have this desire to if you felt trapped and like you were never going to escape you'd be like well i'm going to tell my story to someone and i can't write and i can't read and i can't talk to anybody else so i'm just going to tell this story in my mind and so you learn you only ever learn about her from her perspective and she says multiple times even that stories are a reconstruction and so when she tells them now uh versus even if she ever gets a chance to actually write it down in the future it'll be different it'll be a reconstruction of another kind um but yeah i don't i i think that it's it's not a bad i i I think the beautiful thing about uh, being able to write a novel like this in itself is the fact that you can only write a novel like this within the context of the Christian worldview. Right. The freedoms that women have to do the things that they do today are because of the Christian right. worldview. Mm-hmm. It's because of things like in Galatians 3.28, where it's, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you all one in Christ Jesus. And the freedoms to express yourself right. and to write books. You should actually be, Margaret Atwood should actually be thanking the Christian worldview for the education that well, she has. Well, yeah, the fact that she's even writing a book about freedom and enslavement <laughs> like what brought and, to you by the christian worldview yeah. <laughs> and this is why she and it's a deeply it really is a religious book mm. because it is based off of what one per and she uh the main character is a modern person she hasn't um she's not a part they and they mention it in the book um how there one day there'll be a generation of girls that never remember any differently and it'll be totally ordinary but she is a part of this early stages of this. So right. she remembers she had a before right. and an after. Right. She remembers a modern life. And so she carries this deeply. And it's so interesting because this is not necessarily a modern book. Um, it was not written mm-hmm. even 10 years ago, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but it's, it's pretty amazing how, um, how the, the religion of the handmaid's tale has propagated with so few people even reading it, I'm mm-hmm. sure. But it's all about freedom. It's all about oppression. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, there was a... We're so obsessed with that right there's now. There's a line I that I was going <laughs> to... If you can be oppressed, man, you win all the points in the room. Right. <laughs> and that's a major feature. Um, well, so I had a... I was a, listening to it on Audible, so I like jumped back into my copy. It's uh, read by Claire Danes, by the way. Mm. On love, Audible, I, I really Claire. wasn't yeah, she in I the know. movie. Wasn't she in the movie Stardust? I don't even know who she is. Yes, yes, she I was in the uh, Boz Lerman, uh, Romeo and Juliet. Mm. She was uh, Beth she, and Little Women. Come on, man! You've been never watching watched any Women. of these. I don't know. <laughs> My so-called no, no, no. life. My she was so-called in one life. Of the, she was in one of the Terminator movies. Which oh, one? she was. Yeah, um, the third, fourth, the third. I just <sighs> remember the melting glass man. <laughs> That's like what I remember what? most about Terminator. Terminator Two. If it's like the newer Terminator, I, I heard that one was like a super woke Terminator, so a lot of people didn't like it. I can't it, believe so. you don't know who I'm pulling up her picture right Claire now. Danes. Claire Danes. Mm. 
She's adorable. Oh. America's sweetheart, Claire Danes. Yeah. Okay. I know who that is. Reading The Handmaid's Tale. I have some audio. I mean, I'm sure she, she... Does, she does audiobooks. I have one yeah. by her, too. I can't remember what it is. And I'm sure there are a lot of Hollywood women um, clamoring to read this book or be involved in some way. Mm-hmm. No, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it. Yeah. I know, but she did a good job. I'm sure she did. She did a great She's job. She's Claire Danes. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but, okay, so this... This uh, line, well, it's not even just a line, but this paragraph or so, it struck me as uh, very theological. Mm. So if I can just, I'll just pick a place to start. So, okay. So she's just like musing. She has a lot of the stuff in the book is she's telling you about things that happened, but she obviously has a lot of time to herself. So she's just thinking. Is it told through the first person of Offred? Yeah, she, and so, like... So it's, you, like, it's like her own diary, then, almost? Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah. So she'll tell you about stuff that happened before. She tells you about stuff that's happening now. And sometimes she just sort of, like, monologues, you know? Okay. Women. So, um, <laughs> but if you happen to be a man sometime in the future and you've made it this far, please remember, you will never be subject to the temptation or feeling you must forgive a man as a woman. It's difficult to resist, believe me, but remember that forgiveness, too, is a power. To beg for it is a power, and to withhold or bestow it is a power, perhaps the greatest. Maybe none of this is about control. Maybe it isn't really about who can own whom, who can do to whom, and who can do what to whom and get away with it, even as far as death. Maybe it isn't about who can sit and who can kneel and who can stand down. I'm just going to skip that part because it's a little vulgar. Uh, Maybe it's about who can do what to whom and be forgiven for it. Mm. Hmm. So we obviously have a standard as Christians as to who can do what to whom and And be be forgiven forgiven for it. it. Mm -hmm. And so this is the world. Basically, this book very well encapsulates the philosophy that comes with the world sans God trying to decide what is forgivable who gets to be saved and what isn't mm-hmm. right and uh, you know their their uh basically their foundations lead them to the oppressor versus the oppressed right. the majority Obviously. versus minority Obviously. groups um and it's just like so clear so much of the book reads to me it's like very much about freedom and forgiveness and there's all these theological elements and it's just the secular a sexually free woman mm-hmm. looking for um, freedom and forgiveness. That's really just what it comes across as hmm. to me. Hmm. Yeah, I think like one of the things too when it comes to what's being propagated, especially you know uh, her Margaret Atwood's uh, her worldview and at least the claims that she's making about what makes us a. a oppressed society because that's again if you if you watch any of her interviews we might post this on her social media she just claims to have just seen this experienced this and this is just wrong all the time about how women get oppressed and what they can't do with their bodies and it always seems to go back to quote-unquote reproductive freedom but they always Mm -hmm. talk about where are the places that are where we're a good and just society where things that are wonderful that are happening. And this is, then it's funny because I watched an interview yesterday that Andrew sent you sent over and it, it was, she was, uh, she was being interviewed by a younger lady who was in New York and they were talking about where, where's an ideal place. 
you know, that's the opposite of what took place in The Handmaid's Tale. You said, oh, you'd want to look at a really nice progressive place like New York versus Texas. <laughs> I found it incredibly ironic that yeah. <laughs> that right now, if you look at with current events, people are literally trying to escape New York. People are fleeing New York. There's videos mm-hmm. of people at a U-Haul station around Times Square, and there's a line around the block like the big Broadway opening show, except people are lined up just to move to out of out. New York. Yeah. And she also says, so... You, you don't want to go to an oppressive place like Texas because <laughs> that that's where because, you know, that's where all the women are dressing up in, in the red outfits with the white hoods and uh-huh. doing all those sorts of things. Yeah. Like hmm. it just it's amazing to me that all of the tyranny that she's sort of talking about in an oppressive mm-hmm. state, even if we look through modern events, almost speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. Where's the oppression coming from? Right. The more. Right. leftist the more progressive the more woke mm-hmm. that leaders are mm-hmm. of what she is saying makes an ideal perfect utopian society mm-hmm. that's where it's the most draconian where all of the riots are taking place mm-hmm. where businesses are being destroyed it's the exact opposite california I just... washington or i mean all of that oregon it is really interesting and, and i think to to joy's point is that i think in these in when you hear those kinds of conversations, when you hear people who hate God having conversations about who gets to be forgiven, uh, what is morally right, you just see the very human image of God imprint need, need for righteousness and justice. And mm-hmm. we are always trying to impute righteousness to ourselves. We are always trying it's a works righteousness that's there Mm. but we all like you you hear that yearning for who gets to forgive who who gets to make the rules and the reason that they're asking that question is because they want to do it without god but then when you do it without god then it becomes well then it becomes might makes right it's like well who's the strongest who has control of the government who has control of these things because ultimately they get to decide what justice looks like and what righteousness looks like and how one can be morally clean Mm -hmm. and so it's a fight for it's a it is it becomes a fight for power because you're trying you're essentially taking the power trying to take away the power away from god and giving it to man to make these decisions and it always results in chaos and it always results in oppression and it always results in fights but i think all throughout the handmaid's tale you hear this very human need that we no one is no one is coming to the handmaid's tale and going oh forgiveness who needs that Mm-hmm. Right. No right. one's like, oh, well, Freedom? forgiveness. Who Should need- we let people be free? Yeah. Oh, it, n- no one is arguing against these things that only the gospel can give us, but right. that right. all of humanity desires. Mm-hmm. It's just that, like, like someone said earlier, there's no neutrality here. You're either going to get forgiveness um, from God, or you're going to demand it from man. Right. Um, and right. that is where the real like tyranny and oppression comes from. Mm. Um, and so. You know, it, it is just interesting how so many, so many of the concepts in Handmaid's Tale. Um, I believe in reproductive freedom. I, I absolutely mm-hmm. do. I just yeah. we mean two different things by it. Right. Because yeah. once you're pregnant, you've already reproduced. Um, I believe women should get married to who they want to get married to. I believe in that. Right. Um, and then I, you're free to reproduce in that. Um, I believe right. in that. I don't. I don't. I actually want there to be. I don't think the government should uh, have their hands in any of that. But when I say that, I mean a completely different thing um, than they do. And so, but at the end of the day, all of us agree on these basic things. You shouldn't oppress people. We disagree on what that looks like. Forgiveness is a real thing and it should be given. We disagree on who gets to give it and why. So we have all these things in common and 
I think what you see in The Handmaid's Tale is just like a warped picture of all of those things. Right. Mm-hmm. Of right. striving after those things without God. Yeah. Right. Humor me. And it's on both sides, too. Mm-hmm. Right. From the, the people in charge as well. Because obviously we would disagree with what's <laughs> happening in the state. And it's very interesting because obviously if you know anything about... Um, like the Catholic church being in political power, it very much mirrors that. Another theme of the book is like what happens when there's no separation of church and state, um, which just the phrase separation of church and state isn't, doesn't have the history that everyone thinks it has. It's used, it's used as an emotional impact word, like many things today without any real context. Yeah. Right. It's basic, it's basically an impact word to tell the other person to shut up. Yeah. (laughs) Right. It really is. Well, but so what's, what's so interesting about this is that, um, what 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 Margaret Atwood makes clear is that she believes that religious people um, are just acting on their own impulses, but saying God told them it's okay to do these things. But in reality, her okay. I'm sorry. I've been trying to like formulate this into words, as I've been listening to this today. So in reality, it's actually her side of the story, the secular mm-hmm. cultural worldly view that believes you're supposed to act on impulses because mm. impulses are biological. They're physiological. They occur naturally. That's how we've evolved. Mm-hmm. So whatever impulse you have is, is a good impulse right. outside of convention. Right. So that's why right. we still believe that murder's wrong and all that, that, but that's where sexual freedom comes into play. I have the impulse to be with someone so i'm going to be with that person it's not bad it's natural it's normal but so she she fully establishes that the state slash church in the story the villain of the story they have all this this infrastructure set in place and it is to it's not biblical by any means not at all it's set to meet their own impulses so it's like when you're it's just so timely because it's like, okay, well, whose impulses trump whose right. impulses? <laughs> How do we decide if we're all just machines that are running and you say, um, you know, I like to, I'm same sex attracted and I like to have sex with that person. And you say that this should only happen um, in in marriage or it should only, in this case, it should only happen if a baby can come from it or, you know, yeah. um, and that's that's where you, I don't, and you talked about how like in dystopian future st- novels they they take things to, to their the, logical end. Yeah. Right. I would say this book is more like hyperbole. It's it's amping up the um caricature. Right. It's caricature. Yeah. So it's not um I don't like I said I don't think it's a bad book, but it's not um it's just not the like sign of the times that everyone mm-hmm. claims <laughs> that it, to it be. was. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's the exact. Yeah. O- I mean, it's the it's the exact opposite. I think. Like, just for example, what what we'll do is we'll probably we'll post on our social media kind of something that's sort of like a guide to understanding like the terms that are in The Handmaid's Tale, and it just uh, it's very just very interesting because the things that are propagated in the show, his history has always shown. It's the exact op. They try and blame it from a Christian society mm-hmm. that it, where this oppression is coming from, but historically, it's always been. The exact opposite, right? So they always talk about, you know, the eyes in his eye, under his eyes. And they always, and this is, a, in the terms, says this is basically short for the eyes of God. Eyes are Gilead's force of spies and secret police. Everyone remained hidden until they drive up in their black van and make public arrests. Anyone can be an eye, including women who often work as informants. So the whole idea of the, this, it's almost them 
talking about God's sovereignty being this evil, oppressive thing to look there. But if you look right. at look at any secularized atheist society, you, you look at what happened in over. If did, there's a film that came out in 2004 called The Lives of Others. And it was about when the two walls were separated between East and West oh, okay. Germany and how people were trying to get over the Berlin Wall and just how oppressive that was and the role that the secret police would have with them like wiring doing like wiring up the room secretly. And you just look at any of the time any of the examples uh, in the, in communist Russia, for example, mm-hmm. of just how the police would go and um, the book Torture for Christ, mm-hmm. when he's talking about how the secret police would arrest him and his friends just because they would not bow to the state. Right. This this mentality, this police state, has always come from a secularized always. society. One hundred percent. Yeah, and what is very interesting, I, I had this saying I just sort of made up, and I think, but I, it, basically, where people don't want a god who is sovereign, all knowing, omnipotent, and who's able to tell people what they need to do with their lives, and they reject that god, and all of a sudden they are shocked when they get a state that is right. Yeah. Right. So you either get, like literally like you get mm-hmm. human freedom, the ability to trust one another. And that's the thing, too, is that you and I, all of us, we trust each other as, as Christians because we know each other. We all have different backgrounds, but I don't need to worry about what you're doing. I mean, we did a lot of prep. We're messaging each other back and forth as we're prepping for this episode. I don't need to worry about where you are 24 seven and what you're doing and mm-hmm. who you're talking to. Right. But if I don't have any point of reference in which to trust you, mm-hmm. I have to, tr- to the best of my ability, be sovereign over you. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm. So you almost see the outpouring of an oppressive police state. Um, mm-hmm. One other thing I noticed in the, in, in the show, just in the first couple episodes I watched, <laughs> the very beginning of it, as they're kind of introducing you to the this prog- this oppressive, you know, dystopian society as they're showing people outside who are hung you know they're they're hanging they're hanging people who are gay and they're you know they're also the different people that they're they're hanging they don't agree with the hang jews right catholics even baptists yeah Mm -hmm. okay yeah so at least well the jews are given the opportunity to leave yeah willingly (laughs) or convert hey at least if they find out that you didn't convert then they can convert to is there a name I don't remember in the show if there was a name for their religion. I can't remember, but at least you got to give really. them. Cre- yeah, no, yeah. okay. But at least you got to give them uh, credit for being progressive and diverse with who they hang. So, <laughs> oh no! Wow! So, <laughs> le- <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, at least no. you got to give them credit with that. Oh, so, dang. so, uh, so uh, but anyways, um, <laughs> it's just um. Yeah, and so one of the things, too, as they're showing the society and they're showing all all these different people being hung and all those things going on, they're playing the thunderous choir music of onward Christian soldiers. And it's just so, it's so preachy. I can only imagine that the show, because obviously this is, it's not a modern book, but a modern, a more modern retelling of it would probably be kind of infuriating. It is Mm. so obnoxious. Well, like, it's like a little... I feel like the book is sort of pleasantly um, topical, whereas maybe the show's a little on the nose. The, no, not a little. <laughs> the show is a nose, and okay. they invite you to sit on it. Okay. I mean, gotcha. it's really, 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 really bad. Um, and I was thinking, too, so one of the big questions, I don't know if we want to cover it in this episode. Are we doing two episodes? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah why not? Why not? <laughs> okay. Well, I think next episode, I think what – what we have to be able to do as Christians is 
one of the so the main themes of the show, and I don't know how prominent it is in the book, but the main theme across the board is uh, sexual freedom, reproductive rights, and all that. Right. Well, they use this story from Genesis as a basis, essentially, right. for their society. And so how do we as Christians, how should we as Christians look at that? Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And I think a lot of people have questions about um, what do I say to my family or my unbelieving family or friends who think that I would like something like the society found in this book because I'm a Christian. Right. Um, I have been asked that multiple mm-hmm. times. And I think on, I think years ago on Patreon, I talked about that yeah. because I was just like, I was getting people are messaging me mm-hmm. like, how do I explain this? to unbelievers that like, mm-hmm. yes, the story's in the Bible, but I absolutely think this is wrong. But Abraham is a hero right. of my faith, so how do I answer that? Ex- no, exactly. And I think uh, I remember being at the airport and, and hearing about The Handmaid's Tale on the news. And then I was in the airport and just went to one of the airport books, uh, airport bookstores. And there I was- I love airport bookstores. Oh, Can I just great. say what a magical place to be? Anyway, okay, keep going. I don't think there's anything <laughs> magical about airports right now in Covid. No, I- <laughs> I have been, yeah, I, I, I haven't recent, been. Yeah, I haven't I went, been. I went to one recently and it's just all the joy has been sucked been, out of yeah. it. I can understand why people are like, ah, Tyranny does should that. I have to travel? Like, yeah. Ah, I don't know. Anyway, sorry, but, airport bookstore. But airport bookstore. And yeah, just, so I just went in there after hearing about The Handmaid's Tale in the news. And of course, I opened up the uh, book just to kind of like skim through it. And of course, right in the opening chapter, it had that passage from Genesis. And so you know, as the as the main mm-hmm. sort of overall theme of the book. Yeah. And so it just it made me think about, OK, I need to figure out how to actually. And I thought of you uh, of you. And it's like, oh, they should do an episode on this. Mm-hmm. And here we are doing a collaboration on it. Yeah. But it, is, it is a good point. Though, like, why are we talking about this show? I think a lot of times as Christians that a lot of people watch this and someone else, if I wasn't informed about the Bible and what Genesis is all about, mm-hmm. I would hear, I would see what's going on in society and these pe- and these women in red dresses protesting. Mm-hmm. And I'd hear about the handmaid's tale. Then I'd open up this book. Oh, it's see, based on Genesis? No, it's based oh, on Genesis. Oh. So immediately I come with a complete fundamental misunderstanding yeah. of it and you see in the same way how even in completely separate theological issues when even the old testament and story and is distorted it completely mm-hmm. throws everything off kilter everything falls apart from there so if you start with a fundamental misunderstanding thinking that something that god working orchestrating through really the faith of our father was, was somehow an evil oppressive person mm-hmm. and in fact that's the beginning of the story of how God continued to save people throughout history. Like the Bible says Abraham believed in God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So um, you, you see that, but here it really is an attack off of someone. As Christians, you know, we shouldn't be like angry, like I want to fight because we're oppressed. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to play that. But we just, we need to have an answer for that. And yeah. I think that that's why it's important to have a discussion about uh, this whole topic here. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think in the terms of if sexual freedom and promiscuity, I think the argument really lies, well, if you think that people should have the sexual freedom, where does it end, right? So where does it stop? Polygamy, what's wrong with that? Mm-hmm. Pedophilia, what's wrong with that? Well, and that's what I meant by, like, it's just an impulse. And if right. you're a human and you were created by a huge explosion billions of years ago, then why would your impulses be wrong? Right. Like, all the impulses of collective humanity have gotten us to the point where we're at now. Right. Um, so we just improve upon them. Right. Mm-hmm. But it, and unfortunately it, 
in this world, there's no actual right or wrong. There's just like a pendulum that swings between powers. Exactly. So the the ideal ending for the Handmaid's Tale is that the the power swings back to women and they're free to sleep with whoever they want and kill their babies. Yeah, it's like right. a it's like a Nietzsche's version of will to power, but using religion right. as an excuse to give you the power to do what you want and to right. lord it over people. Right. I think what's interesting too to think about Margaret Atwood is she was born in 1939, mm-hmm. right? And when we think about our society. Uh, in general, just to give like an overview, I, I there's a reason why people now are screaming for this sexual freedom, right? We're living off the blessings of a Christian worldview. Right. It takes time to feel the weight of God's judgment when you start sinning as a nation. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to want to have homosexual relationships. It's easy to want to have uh, polyamorous relationships. It's easy to want to murder your baby from in the womb for the last 75 or 50, 60 years legally quote unquote in the United States of America when you're actually not feeling the full weight of God's wrath yet. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have people wanting those things even now, yet what we're actually seeing is the fruits of their worldviews taking place. Just like Jerry was talking right. about earlier with New York City. She talks about New York City being this utopia. Well now people are trying to flee New York City. They're right. trying to flee California. They want to go to these more conservative state conservative states because we're actually starting to see the fruit right. of the secular worldview take place. It's only a matter of time for restoration where God's placing them under the feet, those who heartily approve of doing wickedness. Right. Because it's inevitable. Psalm 110.1 says that all God's enemies will be placed under his feet. Right. So it's it's easy to have this worldview in a nation where you're living off the earlier blessings of God. Right. Just they to, think they just haven't gone far enough. Right. But really, we're already starting to see this thing wrap up. Yeah. And it's not mm. good. That, <laughs> I think that's why you said it's an outdated um, dystopian thing dystopian right. view she wrote it in 1985 that's when it was published but then again there we're still we were still living off of earlier blessings in our nation but yeah, those are she crumbling was, now she would have been obviously today we're way more attached to the philosophy in the book she wrote than mm-hmm. when she wrote it for, right for example in her interviews she says she says and i quote um that it's more likely for a theocracy to develop in the united states of america than communism in secular ideology. Well, well, actually, what's happening now in the United States of America? Is it a, a theocracy that's being developed? No. <laughs> We're seeing secular, godless communists right. trying to overthrow and revolt right. in well, our country. Right. In fairness, it is a theocracy. The question is, right. which what theocracy God? is which it? God? So, yeah. Right. Yeah. So what we're seeing is is the rise of, of statism. And so, and then we can also, and I think when in the next episode we can talk about this too, is maybe really taking back the terms because this really is about defining terms and this is where it'd be relevant mm-hmm. again to our field we're talking about mm-hmm. the patriarchy and women and, and and women's rights and those sorts of things which is relevant you talk a lot about that in your podcast yeah but one of the definitive aspects too when it comes to dealing with cults is defining terms and understanding the language barrier but also being aware of the redefinition of terms that take place so again just to paraphrase one of the clips from the, one of the interviews you sent over andrew this is one of the uh uh, interviews that Adwood did, and in it she says, "quote It does seem to be that ever that every total in every totalitarian government on the planet has always taken a real interest in women's product reproductive rights." And she kind of implies the fact that oppressive societies take that away, which right. is, in level there's a level of deception redefining of terms because while yes have there been have there been totalitarian governments yes have women been oppressed have been a byproduct of that absolutely it's happening look, in china yeah, right now yeah absolutely and either you look at 
what's happening over there. I mean, there were plenty of women who were killed and executed and, and sterilized. Uh, sterilized. I mean, over in Auschwitz. So that was mm-hmm. a big thing. That's true. Mm-hmm. But you look at example just for now. Maybe we can even talk about this in the next episode. Look at current events. The current events speak for themselves. When you looked at the most progressive, um, woke, um, leftist, secularized states. Mm-hmm. In comparison to conservative states, what happened, especially in California, mm-hmm. they closed all the churches. You're not allowed to meet together to worship. Mm-hmm. But what are you allowed to do? You're 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 allowed to go and have an abortion right. and murder your child. Mm-hmm. That's totally fine. Mm-hmm. So, in fact, an oppressive state did the exact opposite of what Atwood is claiming in a progressive state does. Mm-hmm. They actually empowered under what her terms are, a reproductive freedom. Mm-hmm. So it's the exact opposite. And that's mm-hmm. why you have to be really aware, mm-hmm. self-aware of the redefinition of terms that always takes place mm-hmm. in something like this. That's because the feminists are on, on the side of the oppressors. Right? Mm. That's why. Well, and that's, that's, why, that's why I pointed out the pendulum. Like, yeah. they just want the pendulum to swing back. It's mm-hmm. not about what's objectively right and wrong and how a culture should look for them. It's about the power swinging back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't want to distribute power. They don't want it to be equal. They want to have the power. Right. Mm-hmm. It is and that, power. and this is how the world, yeah, the work, the universe balances itself out is mm-hmm. by Democrat, Republican, Democrat, Republican. Right. Right. That's how the world <laughs> That's is how, balanced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how we decide what's right and wrong. Right. Just the swing of power. Right. That's right? so sad. Anyway. Mm. Anyways. Yeah. Well, this has been a good first discussion. I think we yeah. covered some basic groundwork. So. Uh, this has been fun. It's been—I mean—it's been a while since we we've been all together doing a collab, and and like I so said, the world has changed a lot, and here we are talking about so something much. that, and it is weird, especially think I saw one of the previews. Again, I have only watched four episodes of the show, but I think in one of the episodes it showed women who are in, I guess, uh, face masks. Uh-huh. And then I was like, okay, this is weird. How did they get oh, this? Yeah. So, um, in the show, the women who like if you if you just you will not do your job. Uh, sometimes the lesbians, um, the really bad women, they get sent to these places that were bombed. Um, the colonies. The colonies. They get sent there to do work, and there's like a lot of radiation and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes the some of them in the show had masks. Most of them don't, because the idea right. is that they get radiation poisoning and and die eventually. But they're like cleaning out the. Right places that the government has bombed and yeah and in this and it's interesting too like definite they always in the show they refer to people who are any part of the lgbtq community are they're known as gender traitors gender traitors yes, <laughs> yes. gender traitors. so again this is one of those things what's gender right <laughs> how many genders exactly exactly <laughs> anyway. i mean gender how do you how do you betray something that's fluid yeah that's a good question <laughs> so <laughs> about to go super woke there yeah oh so, yeah, uh, this has been a fun first episode. So thank you all for listening. And like I said, definitely uh, check Joy and Summer's podcast, Sheologians. They always have great and fun-packed content and nice. all sorts of different topics. So, uh, so yeah, if you guys like the show and if you uh, give us your thoughts, leave us a review on iTunes and uh, definitely check that out. And we will talk to you all in part two of this discussion uh, where we enter into the kingdom of the cultish world of the handmaid's tale <laughs> talk to you guys soon bye see it up a little bit yeah look the perfections of god are not affected at all by human opinion nope. everything in the universe is under his control and his rule and dominion everything. and there's nothing in the world that could ever come to pass at last unless he first decreed it yeah.